following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Well, we've been talking about worship, and uh, I just, I don't know about you, but it's been on my mind a lot. Now, we've been talking about it from week to week, and I find myself turning the radio off in my car and just singing to God and worshiping the Lord and reaching out to Him in worship, find my own heart softening more and more as I think about worship throughout the week and think about what that means to me and think about who God is and all the different ways that we worship. And So today I want to talk just for a few minutes about mechanics and the mechanics of worship. As we're growing and learning how to worship in our congregation, there are many of us that are brand new to the faith, and so all of this is new, and there's some that are veterans and been uh, in the faith a long time, and so all of this is uh, is old hat to you. But uh, just take a few minutes and let's look at the mechanics of worship. And I think there's two spectrums of worship. There is the really boring, you know, where I've, maybe you've experienced that. I've been in way too many of those. Uh, life is too short to be in boring worship. And, you know, you just sit there and maybe you're, you're, you're singing a tune and everybody's depressed and it's just a real heavy deal. And it's kind of a stand-up, sit-down motions, you know, back and forth and you're reading stuff and... Uh, it's it just there's no life in it, and it just you don't even you don't even think about the words that you're singing, you know, and it's just automatic and just very very boring, horrible. But the other side of that spectrum is completely out of control, and um, sometimes that can happen too, where you get a group of people that are really starting to enter into this freedom of worship, and it just goes way too far. I was in a service like that one time where, um, I mean, the, the con- congregation just kind of ran to the front, uh, all up to the front. It wasn't at our church. And uh, people were going nuts and jumping up and down and going crazy. And and uh, there was a bunch of pastors on the platform. And, and so um, they, you know, the, the lead pastor just decided that the pastors should run and, and jump on the crowd and have the crowd, you know, bounce the pastors around. And so, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of us up. So they just start going, just leaping off. And they're on, they're on the crowd and everything. And, and it's coming along. It's getting down to me where it's my turn to go and, you know, run and jump. But nobody knows what's going on in my mind this whole time. I just spent uh, three weeks traveling all through the country of India. And I was there preaching and and conferences and crusades and and I, I I picked up some sort of terrible disease or something and uh, and so I'm standing there and I I'm squeezing my cheeks as hard as I can and I'm not moving an inch I mean I'm just frozen because if I move I know I'm I'm gonna have have an accident right here on the platform. And so it comes, the pastor comes to me and he leans over and says, okay, it's your turn. I look at him and I go, mm-mm, <laughs> I'm not moving. I'm not going to do this. And I just picture, and I was so embarrassed. It was so horrible. I couldn't wait to get out of there and run to the bathroom. You know, this is, this is, we want to be somewhere in the middle, hopefully, right? 
I mean, not horribly boring and not just completely out of control, reckless. And so let's just kind of bring this into a context, I think, where then God can move and minister to us and use us in a way and, and bless us in a way that is appropriate and is godly and is fruitful. In Luke chapter 1, we see that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. These are the words of Jesus. So he says something incredibly shocking and totally mysterious, along with just something sort of matter of fact. And can you imagine hearing that for the first time, that God says to you, guess what? This whole world's going to blow up. The whole world's going to be gone. It'll pass away. And heaven too. And maybe you're thinking about that right now because we're about 12 days from the end of the world, aren't we? I mean, it's, it's close, right? But, but, you know, imagine that's how they thought. You know, are you kidding me? The whole, yes, this whole world will pass away. But the only thing that will remain is my words, is the Bible. It's the word of God. Everything around you will come to an end. In fact, Everything you see, everything you have is in the process of coming to its end. Everything is going to come to an end except for the word of God. In Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, he said, listen, you brought nothing into the world. Nothing. You brought nothing and you will take nothing with you. We come into this world without anything. We leave without anything. And so Jesus' definition of worship being spirit and truth, it's the combination of the flowing of the Holy Spirit and the scriptures, the word of God, the truth that Jesus spoke about. So we're blending those things together. The Bible will never pass away. It will always remain. It'll never be irrelevant. It'll always go. And so the, when we get to heaven and you look for things that you'll recognize, one thing you will recognize is the Bible. Because the Bible will be there. God's words. Some, I don't know. I think about in my own mind how that will play out. And I think heaven with these great clouds and beautiful blue skies and the words of God just plastered all over the heavens and in the skies. And wherever you look, God's word is there because it will not pass away. So somebody asked me one time, they said, you know, is we lift our hands in worship, will we be doing that in heaven? And how do we know the answers to these questions? What does God expect of us in a worship setting? How do we worship? What do we do? And the Bible tells us that. It shows us that. It shows us how we can worship here and how we will worship in heaven. And so, again, we're blending the flow of the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures and the Word so that we're not boring and that we're not out of control either, right? Because some people define freedom in the spirit as uh, I can do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. And maybe you've been in a service like that where some person is, you know, just running around the place. I'll never forget one time was a revival meeting. And I don't know why revival meetings tend to attract, you know, interesting people. But this lady had this toy. It was, a, it was a, like a, a hammer you buy for a baby or like a two-year-old, you know, it's got the, the big squishy end, and you hit it, and it goes beep, beep, you know, beep, beep, you know, smacking things. 
she was going around hitting people on the back of the head with that hammer and saying, I anoint you in the name of the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, we had, had her leave. Um, so you, you see what I'm getting at here is um, th- th- we want to be able to flow in the Holy Spirit's moving because if we don't have that, it's totally dead. It's boring. It's religion. It's of man. It's of something we've concocted. If you take the Holy Spirit out of it, it's lifeless. But at the same time, if you just have that and you don't have the guidance of the scriptures, then we're all over the map and there's no order. And God is a God of order. So I want to turn your attention to Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians, we see... Paul's teaching the church about worship and who we are as followers of Christ. And he says this in verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, And songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. So the picture we have here, at least in Paul's mind, is that the choir of the church, those people that do the singing and the leading and the, you know, the directing of music, is the congregation. All along, that's how it is meant to be. And somehow over the years, we've that sort of changed. And now we have choirs and they're sort of the specialized uh, music people. But from a biblical point of view, you are the choir. You are the choir and you're singing to God. He's the audience. He's the, he's the congregation. It's a congregation of one. It's God himself. And we're the choir. We're singing unto God. It's, worship was never meant to be something of a spectator sport where you sit and you watch other people sing and other people worship and do their thing. It's something that we do ourselves. It's our voices and our singing that God is looking for. It's not a religious experience, and it's not unintelligible chanting, uh, just saying the same words over and over and over or, or recanting some sort of liturgy, liturgy. So we have this concept now that's worship is us. It is us singing to God. And he mentions Three different kinds of singing. He says, uh, 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 well, let me just start. Let me start with the obvious here. Uh, In Psalm 147 and verse 1, the psalmist says how good it is to sing praises to God. How pleasant and fitting to sing praises to him. Right from the bat, singing is what connects our heart to God. And I think one of the reasons why God encourages us to sing and to be people of song is it's really hard to be fake when you're singing. Have you noticed that? My father hated to sing, and especially in church. I never heard him sing ever. And and he'd stand in church, and and he'd stand like this, and he'd go like this. He'd mouth the words to the songs, never let a sound out. I don't know if he's embarrassed or he didn't want people to hear his voice. So he just stand there very stoic. And mouth the words, totally faking it. 
God wants us to come before him with a heart of honesty and humility, coming before him as we are, who we are. And I think singing helps us connect with him. It connects the heart. It opens up the heart. The angels, we see a picture of heaven. The angels are there singing. And they're singing to God, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And so singing is a natural part. And God created us to be uh, those who sing. All of us, we are the choir. So you're getting this concept. And in Colossians, he says there's three types. There's psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, as I break those three down, I think psalms is us uh, singing to God about who he is and, and what he means to us. And most of the songs that we sing on Sunday are that. They are psalms. They are what we know to be true of God in Scripture. And hopefully, hopefully all of our songs are scripturally based and we're singing about God in a very biblical way about who he is and what we know of him to be true. But there's also hymns. And hymns specifically, I think, speak to the attributes of God, uh, his, his goodness and his mercy and his faithfulness and uh, his, his graciousness and his kindness. The hymns have a way of captivating that. Great is thy faithfulness is one of my favorite hymns. So, How great thou art. Amazing grace, which we sang yesterday. Blessed assurance, mighty fortress, the old rugged cross, all of these old hymns point us to uh, the attributes of God and how great he is. And we sing about the greatness of God, and it connects us with him and inspires us. And the last one is spiritual songs. And I believe that this is singing by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that point where you're surrendering your will to God. Where maybe you you divert from the song that we're singing or the words that we're singing. You begin to sing your own words and you just kind of get lost in this, God, I'm yours. I belong to you. I surrender to you, God. 100, I surrender my desires and my will and my life. And I'm declaring that to you in song and in the presence of all these people. So we have this beautiful blend of all three of these types of songs. Don't you think being a worship leader is the hardest job in the church? <laughs> I do because, you know, there's, there's so much variety here and people have so many different tastes and preferences and what one type of singing makes this group happy and this other type makes this other group unhappy. And, you know, all, it, it just, it, it's horrible. You know, if, if Pastor Trevor would stand at the door on, on Sundays on the way out, one person would say, you know, you know, I'm really praying for you because that was just terrible service today. And, you know, that was so loud. And I just, you know, can you get rid of the drums? And that was just so, you know. And then the next person right behind him say, oh, man, I love the drums. Man, it was so great. That was the best service ever. You're just amazing. You know, you're anointed. The next person, you know, you had a kind of a tough day today. It kind of wasn't there for me, you know. And it's just like, come on. You know, what are we going to do? They're, they're, it just, it's tough, all right? And they're all different kinds of things. But, but singing is, is one of them. Another one is musical instruments. Um, in Psalm 150, talks about using music and instruments to worship God. And God is in, encouraging us to use musical instruments of all kinds for his glory and for music unto him. Now, uh, it, there is no mention of drums being used in the scriptures. 
uh, in worship. And maybe that makes you happy. But nor does it mention football. And we know, we know that that is a God-inspired activity. So just because it doesn't mention drums does not mean that that is not a sanctioned instrument in worship. We're going to take all the instruments, everything, the more the merrier, right? And use it unto the Lord in worship of him and singing to him. And so don't get into some sort of discussion about which instrument is right or allowed. You know, maybe you have your favorite and it's the pipe organ. We used to have an organ here and we sold it. Or maybe it's a piano or, you know, you have your thing that you really love. But don't, don't get into this attitude of that's the only way. Because every generation is different and every generation has their instruments that become more important. I remember when, um, you know, you didn't have guitars in worship. It was just piano. You know, and everything was keyboard and piano. Remember, keyboards first came out and we were doing all this stuff. You know, it, those things change from generation to generation. That doesn't matter. What matters is that we use instruments to worship God. And that's what he says that we should do in his word. Another activity or part of worship is lifting of the hands. In, in all through the scriptures, actually, and I've got a couple here for you in Psalm 143 and Psalm 63 about how we should lift our hands to God in worship. And that's a very key and integral part of worship. And I told you earlier that, um, you know, lifting your hands in worship is the universal symbol of surrender. You know, anywhere in the world, people do this. You know what it means. It means I surrender. I give up. It's our our, our um, symbolism before the Lord. It also means victory. It also means touchdown, by the way, right? <laughs> touchdown, kick is good. Yeah. Right? That's how I think of it. But it says right in Scripture, all throughout, so God is saying, listen, lift your hands in worship. Sing with your voice. Sing loudly and use music and instruments. These are all important things to be using in worship. And in all of these scriptures, you can also see shouting and cheering. Shout unto God. You know, occasionally I hear that in our worship. It's great. Somebody will shout out, you know, Whoop! You know, something like that. There's joy. They're excited to declare their love for God and their, their, their zeal and passion for him. And so he says, that's okay. Shout, cheer. When we get to heaven, there'll be tons of that. Shouting, cheering, joy. Dancing. Believe it or not. I think you heard a little bit about this last week. That the Lord actually says, when you come together to worship you should dance before me. Do you know that the Bible even says that God dances before us? He dances over us and rejoices over us with singing and dancing. You know, uh, somehow dancing is a part of spiritual warfare. And you see stories in the Old Testament how God said to the people, you know, sing and dance and, and then my presence will come into that and powerful things will happen. Think about the walls of Jericho. And one time I was in, I was in college and, you know, typical college student, uh, you know, living off of top ramen and hot dogs and pores can be and totally broke. Every penny went to paying my college tuition and taking girls on dates. And 
And so I, I have piled up a bunch of bills. And I was just in my room. I was praying and crying. I said, oh, God, help me pay all these bills. It's terrible. And, and I just got this picture in my mind of, of the walls of Jericho. And so I got my bills out, and I put them in a circle in my dorm room, big circle on the floor. And I stood in the middle of that, and I just began to dance before God. And I, I'm terrible, okay? So you got to forgive me. But I'm, I'm dancing, you know. And I'm singing and praising the Lord and asking God for victory over these bills and everything. I'm just, I'm getting into it. I'm starting to cry. I mean, this is really an intimate moment with me and the Lord. And the door flings open and here's my roommate barching in with a bunch of his friends. It was horrible. <laughs> but we can dance before God. And so if you see me dancing, you know God's moving. All right. <laughs> you know. That's, that's, that's not my thing. But it's in there. It's in there. God says that's a part of worship. Clapping. Clap your hands, all you people, all your nations. Shout to God with a voice of triumph and joy. Clapping is a way we express joy, right? It's, you know, you picture that parent who sees that child accomplish something for the very first time or win in a ball game or something like that. And the parents are so happy and they're clapping and they have joy. It's a way to say a, approval and say, yeah, good job, awesome. You know, I'm amazed. To be an expression of awe, think of something that takes your breath away, you know, or you see a phenomenal performance, or you see an amazing uh, play. I was in a movie recently, and afterwards, everybody started clapping in the movie. They say, hey, yes, yay, God. And so the Lord says, there should be clapping in worship, and, you know, Sometimes Pastor Trevor, bless his heart, will be up here and say, okay, let's start clapping. And so then he and I will start clapping. And then Amanda will start clapping. And then that's it. <laughs> okay? It's just, we're not just doing stuff up here. This is biblical, right? This is the truth part. Incorporate clapping. So when, when Trevor's leading us and he's, you know, he's doing this, that means, hey, it's time for us to clap. And what we're doing, we're not just clapping. We're saying, yeah, God, you're awesome. Yeah, I approve. Amen, God. Way to go. We're following you, Jesus. You're our champion. It has great meaning, spiritual meaning to it. Another one is kneeling. Let us bow down before the Lord in worship. Kneeling is an act of surrender. It's an act of, of, of awe, of devotion, saying, God, I pledge myself to you. I give my life to you. You know, so occasionally you'll be open to that. You'll be surprised. You'll be in worship. And you'll feel this impression by the Lord to get on your knees right where you're at. Just right in the chair there and get on your knees and, and worship God. You will find it's incredible how uh, that surrender of your flesh, you know, and your pride. That some of you might think you're foolish or weird. And yet how when you... Express yourself that way, how God then begins to touch you and work on you and speak to you and bless you. It's an amazing. I've never been disappointed, ever, ever disappointed when I kneel before God in that way of surrender and devotion. Another one is words of thanks. We should come into the presence of God with thanksgiving on our lips, on our heart and our minds thanking God for all that he's done for us. And you know, sometimes it's really tough. 
It's really tough, especially if you're suffering and you can't think of anything good. It's a sacrifice of worship at that point where you begin to thank God for something, you know. The other day, I was really, you know, struggling, was down, and so I started with what I could come up with. I said, Lord, I thank you for all the green trees in Washington. That's all I could come up with at the moment, you know. I mean, you start with something, you know, that get it going. Have, I'm thankful for this and words. And you can, you know, it's okay to sing your own words. And sometimes I'll do that. I'll, I like those words and I'll start singing my own words and thanking God for what he's done and who he is and what he means to me. Words of thanks are absolutely appropriate in what God says we should do and incorporate in worship. Listening, God wants to speak to us and he communicates with us. And sometimes in worship, we need to just shut up. Just close your mouth and just listen and listen and let him communicate with you. The reading of scripture, expressions of art. Uh, I want to see more of this in our, in our congregation. I think it's really cool if it's, if it's done well. Let me clarify with that. Uh, is, you know, maybe painting. If you're an artist and you love to paint or draw or do things, I think that would be an, a beautiful expression of praise and worship. Now come up, maybe we'll put up an easel or something, and, and you, you can come up and paint or draw, or, or you'll be, express yourself in a creative way. I think the arts are something that are God-inspired. Have you ever looked at a beautiful painting and just went, wow? marvel at that that the, the the talent and the beauty that God has given somebody I think that's a beautiful expression of worship and sometimes dancing choreographed dances and things can be beautiful and sometimes not but um, you know all t- different types of expression of art you know this was very much a part of the church uh, for a long period of time and then it got weird and people started you know looking at icons and worshiping the art and that's not what god has in mind it's never about the art right or even the talent it's about god it's about jesus it's christ focused but it's beautiful and god loves it when we ha- express our talents in worship before him from a pure heart. So you can see this picture developing that a worship experience is way beyond just standing there and singing. That incorporates all of ourselves. And there are many, many different ways to express worship to God. And when we get to heaven, I think we're going to be doing all of this and more. You know, I think when we see Jesus... We're not going to just say, hey, man, what's up? You know, I think we're going to fall on our faces. You know, we're going to be prostrate before him. We're just going to go boom on the ground and say, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. You know, and all these different expressions of worship are going to be in heaven and they're meant to be now. If we, I think, take these things out sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater, then we're left with something incredibly boring. It's dead. It's lifeless. Who wants to be a part of that? I don't. I don't. I, I want there to be energy and joy. Even when I don't feel it myself, I still want to be in that environment. You know? I want to see people lifting their hands, kneeling, 
dancing, shouting, raising their hands, worshiping God with all of themselves, that full experience of worship. And everything I've referenced to you this morning comes right out of the Bible. It's biblical. These are things that God says, hey, yes, go for it. This is a part of worship. Now, let me speak to the fear again, because I think that's so powerful in us. And that's why Pastor Trevor talked about that last week. Is we, we have this fear, it's going to get out of control. I mean, if we give people that kind of freedom, they'll be weird. And we don't want to be a part of weird. So, it, the, the balance we're looking for is that Jesus says, listen, you've got to come to me with a childlike heart but not childish. You see the difference? You know, come with a child's heart of purity and saying, God, we come before you with who we are, but not childish and not of the flesh, but of the spirit. And I think we can tell the difference, can't we? I mean, you can tell when somebody is all about themselves. You know, have you seen that? Maybe a performer or a singer or a pastor or worship leader where they're, they're not saying, it's all about you, Jesus. They're all about me, Jesus. You know, it, it just, it, 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 you can tell. Thank God we don't have any of that going on here. But it's spirit-led, not flesh-led. It's spirit and it's truth. Led of the Holy Spirit grounded in scripture. Now, this is what I believe. I believe that as we pursue this, we will see the glory of God in amazing ways. Worship is unto Jesus, but it is for us. God doesn't need it. Oh, he doesn't need us to worship him. When we worship him, it transforms us. It blesses us. We get a sense of our destiny, that God has made us people of destiny and what he's called to. Our purpose becomes greater when we worship him. And so I believe as we incorporate these things and we allow the Lord God to lead us in this kind of worship, that we will be the persons that receive the greatest amount of his presence and his glory and it'll change our lives forever.